The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Okay. Hello, Jason. Hi, Joni. Well, we're here again. It's another week. And I am still in Los Angeles with my incredibly wonderful little twin grandbabies. They are just amazing. And then I also have my four-year-old granddaughter, and she's amazing. It's, it's hard work, but it's amazing. I'm having a good time. Yeah, you're having a really good time being a grandma and giving them all sorts of love and attention. Absolutely. And I leave a week, uh, less than a week now, and I can't even look at it. I already know I'm not going to be happy. But at least I get to get you in the same room as me again. So <laughs> There you go. That's true. Back in my little back bedroom, we have a new computer. It should all be great. I'll have to get it all tested when I get home. Excellent. Sounds so you good. Have a, you have a guest for us today, and I'm really, really excited because we're going to be talking to a mom, and I'm going to just call her mom. And, you know, we've touched so often on moms and loved ones of people who are addicted, and I think this is going to be a really, really good conversation to have. I do, too. And the the important thing um, for parents out there who have children who are addicts, when you find out your child is an addict, it ends up bringing you to one like, one of the most loneliest places you could ever imagine. And you start thinking, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? You know, there can't be anyone else out there that's feeling the way I'm feeling right now because this feels so badly. Right. Well, it feels so bad. And so at least I know my what my parents went through was they felt like the only people in the world dealing with this. Right. And the fact of the matter is there are countless sets of parents out there that are all dealing with the same thing. They have a child who's addicted and they don't know what to do. Yep. And so I think it's important for parents who are listening to this podcast to hear a mother's point of view who had a child not only go through addiction, but also go through Narcan Right. And the results, you know, that, that, that came from that. And so I have her here. And so I think we can turn it over to her. Okay, good. Hi, Mom. Hi, Joni. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to tell your story. I think that your story is really going to resonate with a lot of the people that listen to this podcast. I don't think that people who are addicted are necessarily listening to this podcast. There may be some who are, but I have an idea that the larger percentage is people like yourself, who have a loved one who they suspect is addicted or they know for certain is addicted and they need help and hope. And that's really what we give here. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story. You're very welcome. When I went through this situation, which was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life, um, it was worse than losing my parents by many, many times over. It was hell. It was so difficult that at times all I could do was know with some certainty that I could figure out what the next step was, take one step and then look around and decide what to do. It was, I feel so much for people who are in this situation with someone they truly love and they they don't know what to do except drown with them. They don't want to desert them. They don't, they don't know what to do. And so what I realized um, when I came to Narcanon, I realized two things the day I came in. Number one, I realized there was help. And number two, 
I realized that something very valuable had come from my experiencing this hell, and it was compassion. And it was what? I'm sorry? Compassion. Got it. Um, Let me take you back, Mom. I want to kind of start back at the beginning, if you will. What were some of the indicators that you had that led you to believe that your child was possibly using drugs? Well, I I knew that he was drinking too much because I saw him in that condition. I know that I I saw a asserting of the rightness of it and that he was okay and that it was all right and that it was um, not alarming and that he could, that it was under control. And the scary thing is the degree that someone who has any type of drug or alcohol situation is there they are not people who have no skills right frequently these can be the brightest and the best and the most adventurous type people which my son is Mm -hmm. he's that type of person he's an adventurer he's insouciant he's all of those things and they can use that as they begin to disappear from sight until finally if you buy into it, you're not even talking to them anymore. But the justifying of it was difficult. I would give parents advice that is so important, and I erred in this, is you know what you're seeing. Right. It doesn't necessarily, you know what you're feeling. My kid's not there. I'm not talking to him. I found my son unconscious. He had OD. Oh, boy. Now, here's a weird thing. My son wasn't on drugs that were this particular drug and this is the what happens. My son used drugs or el- chemicals or alcohol to solve a problem. Right. So his his addiction was to the idea that something other than him could solve his problems and it became a habit, then it became an addiction and then he became very good at lying about it. Wow. And so I would say to parents, it, I can't so much, maybe I think Jason has more experience than I do on many types of parents and what to watch for. I just know that he stopped being there until finally one day he almost wasn't there ever again. And then I, then I went, I can't do this. I need help. And so did you discover him unconscious? Is that? Yes. And then did you call Narconon? Was that your first or maybe not your first but your second thing i mean assuming what did you do then my first my first call was for an ambulance my second call was to um make sure my grandson was going to be okay my next call after that within a day um was to narconon and at that point as well i ordered um drug tests online okay and i gave them randomly and it was um, while I put together the the first steps of getting him started on the program, I was um, wearing that hat as well. By the time he came to Narcanon, I was so tired of wearing all of these hats, you know, of the person who is watching the whole cycle at any moment, stopping in, intruding into his life making him see there was no safe zone to do this anymore, confronting it and holding a position, being unmoving on the position that he was going to go. You know, Jason and I have talked many times about um, 
one of the things we've talked about is I've said, what would be your piece of advice to a parent if you suspected that your child or another loved one was using drugs? And his response is always, do drug testing. And so that it's interesting to hear that that's something that you actually employed. Did he resist the drug testing or try and fudge it or? No. Okay. No, he didn't. Um, he was he was still holding a good thought that if he really behaved, he might not have to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I didn't get into too much discussion on that. It was muzzled. Okay. He knew. I knew. And whenever I said, come over and do a drug test, he did. I waited outside the bathroom door. Okay. And how old was he when he um, you found him unconscious? How old was he? Mid-30s. And how long had he been abusing alcohol and other drugs? You know, it, it, here's another kernel that makes it harder. It isn't that like on a TV show, all of a sudden you become so aware this is happening and then you're fighting this battle with something that because they're falling down drunk or because you find them ODing or because this or because that. It wasn't that cut and dry. He would go through periods where he looked very straight. He'd get up every single morning and get his son to school. He would. It wasn't what I would have expected. It wasn't so, until it was a disaster, I thought that it wasn't um, as serious as it was. It, but his, he was so open-minded about that drugs could be what changes a condition that it left him open to being in terrible danger. So I hope I've answered your question. He started when he was in high school probably to um, to get high various ways but not that it not that it was horribly alarming even though I never agreed with it I was fighting it for a long time I got it I want to jump in for a second sure go ahead okay I think the mom brought up a very valid point she didn't think the drug use was really a problem until all of a sudden she's finding him passed out drunk or OD'd or whatever and the thing about addiction, it's it's highly insidious. It almost sneaks up because an addiction isn't created overnight. Right. It's not like a person, you know, tries drugs once and then the next day they just destroy their entire life and it happens in a 24-hour period. Addiction is something that there's no other way, better way to put it other than it creeps up on you because people will try drugs. They realize it solves a problem. Then they keep using it to solve that problem. Then some more time goes by and they become they keep using and they become physically addicted. Then more time goes by and it becomes this, you know, full blown addiction to where once it's really progressed, then things start to get bad, things start to get really noticeable. But I have so many families that will call me and say, you know, he was a straight A student two years ago. Like what happened? Like all of a sudden we have this huge problem on our hands where, you know, our son is shooting up in the bathroom. But it wasn't all of a sudden. It wasn't all of a sudden. Right. That's the thing. Right. When a person is using, when a person's using drugs, it progresses. And at the beginning, most addicts get away with using, to get away with it. Because like, for instance, a person that takes a low dose of Percocet to start off with, you're really not going to notice that they're high. You'll notice that they're high after their habit increases and they have to take more and more and more of the drug to where it has almost like a depressant effect on them and they're you know completely sedated. Then it becomes noticeable. When people first start using drugs, most parents don't notice that it's happening. Mm -hmm. they, they just don't know. And so that's why in the eyes of a lot of parents, it comes out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden there's this 
epic problem that then that they now have an addict in the family. And that's why I, I always tell parents, you know, you have to not only watch your children very closely to make sure that they're not on drugs, but you also want to develop an open line of communication with them to where they might feel like they could actually talk to you about it before things go completely off the rails. Like, I wish that I had done personally, because I, w- I was an addict, which everyone in, in the world knows. <laughs> we do now. I was an addict. And so I never felt like I could talk to anyone about it because I felt like there were too many consequences for coming off this major secret that I carried around. Well, what Jason just said about he wished he'd had someone to talk to, that is, whether it's the parent or not, that was something I noticed when my son came to Narconon and I noticed he didn't want to come. He didn't, he was bummed. He was, he didn't think he needed it, whatever. When he got here, I noticed almost immediately something happened, which was amazing. And it was that he was no longer the hairy unwashed of the universe that was absolutely slime, that was like always in any room of people. He was the loser. It was it was people who had been there, had conquered it, and were really powerful people. There were people that were suffering the way he was. It was a group that was here to take upward steps, that it was here that change could start. And I noticed that change came in steps, and that was the first step. There's a place I'm safe and can be honest. And it was awesome. That's good to know. That's really good to know. And I think that so often somebody in that position, I know, for example, that you, mom, were not the one making him feel like the dirty, hairy guy in the room, but they, but there's that feeling inside. And so to be in a place like Narconon where they know there's going to be understanding and duplication, I think, I think is huge. It is huge. There's another point as well that a parent will run into trouble, I think. I sure did. I I heard you talking about your grandchildren, and I adore my children and my grandchildren. I just can't even put in words how much I love them. And also knowing them, knowing and loving are very similar. I know that in Scottish, the word ken, like I I understand, I love, I you know, I know. There's It's similar. So you know this being, you've known this person since they were a tiny, tiny, tiny baby. They go through all these different steps of growing up, but they're the same person inside. And you know them. And you have great hopes for them. And you think if you can just get into their space and communicate to them with love and truth, you think that certainly they will reach for it. But there is this thing that happens that I watched happen with my son. And it's, I would call it, I would, I know Narconon calls it the, the biochemical personality, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like a different person made by drugs, made by the, drugs are a lie. They say they can change something and they can't. And so when they can't, you, you want to try again with it. And then you also want to be right that you've made a right decision, so do it again and see if it works and do it again to prove you're right with it. But the truth of the matter is drugs are a lie and they create liars. And the biochemical personality lies easily. And you have to, as a parent, differentiate. You have to say, 
this is my person. He's not lost to me. This is the person I know and love. He's not lost. He's buried with his biochemical personality. And that in gradient steps is what's addressed at Narconon. It takes it off layer by confrontable layer until finally there you have your person that's always been there. You know, it isn't that they're rehabilitated. It's things are taken away that were other than them until finally they can begin to rebuild. People say to me, oh, you must be so happy you have your son back. But it's even more than that. My, my son has himself back. My son is himself. And he's wiser than he once was. He now has the ability to see through things and be of help to people in this area. I think that's awesome. Let me ask you a question, Mom, because I know that um, Jason and I have talked about this many different times. Was there a point at which when you were going through this whole thing with your son before, before he was at Narconon, was there a point at which you went, oh, I have failed as a mother? There was, I can see how there would have been and, and was time after time except for I'm a really strong person and I would get up and dust myself off and try again. I refused to have failed. But I found that, let's say, drugs were drowning someone I loved. I was drowning next to them. I, if they were crawling on the ground, I was crawling next to them because I refused to desert them. Right. But the truth of the matter is it wasn't going to be me that got through and fixed it. It was going to be me that insisted on it, that, and that's probably a thing you do in various ways as a parent. It's a real important service that Narconon offers with the counselors that you can talk to that know what they're talking about. And they have, I would say, as much compassion as the parents, but they have more knowledge and more competence in this area. They know what they're doing. So they're, they're like the life raft, and you're trying to drown with your kid. The fact is you can call. You can ask for help. No one's going to make you feel wrong. They understand, and they're going to be that life raft. Get an interventionist on the line. Right. Get someone to talk for you. It, it works. And I think that that's good advice, and I, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you're a very strong woman. I just think so often that a parent just kind of jumps to that thought, what did I do wrong? How could I have done better? And I think one of the points that Jason and I have tried to make repeatedly in this podcast is that it, at this point, it doesn't matter when you realize that your loved one has an addiction problem, you just have to do something about it. It's not the time to point fingers or whose fault is it. It doesn't really matter. You have to pick up the phone and call Narconon or go to the website and contact Narconon and get it fixed. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter at that point. I know exactly what you mean. And I had another realization like that as I was devastated with this whole thing. And it was almost like all of the trying I did, all of the tr attempting to fix ev everything like that, that I tried and tried, I saw had failed, but I saw that it had failed realizing something, which as someone has to really change themselves. You can't change them. You can just be gutted by your trial and you can feel as though you failed. But the truth is, it was never yours to fix. It's their condition 
their life, their decisions, the thing that they were trying to fix with it, that's theirs. And that's what these guys know. So where as a parent, you can go, oh, I can make it up. Oh, I can fix it. I can do more. It's not yours. You can't. It's theirs. And this is the place that they will get their integrity back and that they will get their their confidence back and their smiles back. And truthfully, and the thing, another thing that Jason and I talk about over and over and over again on this podcast is that Narconon has a very specific technology. It's a very specific set of steps. It's technology that was developed by L. Ron Hubbard. And when that's done in the exact way that it's applied at Narconon, it's going to work. Now, you as a parent, you don't necessarily have that technology and you don't have that environment. And this is why we push over and over and over again. There's a place where you can get help. There's a place where there's actually hope. And that's why we continuously push that over and over again, because I'm sorry, I don't think the average parent, you know, knows the first thing about how to address the subject of addiction. Yes, as Jason said, you can be willing to communicate and be willing to listen, but then ultimately you need, you need help. Yeah, it's kind of like you're not going to go to your car mechanic when you need open heart surgery. Exactly. If you need to go to a place where people have expertise and how to handle something. Right. And no family, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, and some people might get mad. No family has the ability to handle an addiction on their own. Nope. They're just not equipped to, they're not equipped to deal with it. And a lot of families will try to run, rush to judgment or you know, rash decisions and ways to handle things for a quick fix. And the thing is, is there is no quick fix and there's no easy fix to addiction. Right. And getting sober takes a certain set of steps in a certain environment and, you know, certain people with the expertise to deal with it in order to accomplish it. And it takes time. You know, people don't develop, like I was saying before, people don't develop an addiction overnight. You don't get sober overnight either. You know, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of things like the Vivitrol injection. Do you know what that is, Joni? Um, I think I've heard about that, and it's supposed to like be like a one-shot deal, and then you're not addicted anymore. Yeah, it, it's a Vivitrol is an injection that you get that turns off your body's ability to react to opiates. So basically, you can't get high from any opiates. That means heroin, painkillers, whatever. So it takes away the benefit, quote unquote, that drug users get from using the drug. But that doesn't handle an addiction. That handles opiates but there's a laundry list of other drugs a person can go use if, if opiates aren't going to work for them anymore and you know it's those quick fixes like that they don't handle it exactly and if you're out there listening to this podcast and you think oh i'm just going to go get an injection of vivitrol and life is better again guess what it's not going to happen you know what you get with that you get a miserable person that's still addicted to drugs but they can't use opiates so now they're going to find something <laughs> They find something else to eat. Yeah, it's yeah. You still have you still have the person with an unhandled addiction and the necessity to medicate away whatever life, you know, whatever life problems that they have. Exactly, because once again, drugs are the solution to the problem, and so all you're doing is substituting one solution for another, and you haven't addressed the problem, so it's not going to fix. I think that that's completely correct because it isn't the chemicals that are the problem. Exactly. It's the 
It's the need for them and the decision to use them and the justifying of how it's okay and the lying about it all covers the fact that there was something that has to be looked at and that's what they do here. Exactly. I mean, they go into things at such to such depth but on such a gradient so kindly. Yep. I mean, just so kindly. So it's a safe place for someone to, to have the luxury of looking. Exactly. So when did your son finish the program? I think about six weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, about six weeks ago. And when he gave his speech, I had this idea of what it would be. I thought everyone would be weeping and there'd be unicorns flying around the room because it was so, everything was wonderful. But what it was, was real. Right. It was real. And he said, and as part of his speech, he said, um, I didn't know I needed help. And then he talked about in his life how he, help had been a hard thing for him to ask for. And he elaborated on it. But he said, I couldn't ask for help. I didn't think I needed it. Hmm. And there I was. And I needed it so badly. And it was amazing to see that what I'd gotten was a person that would be there and be truthfully communicating and that he had himself back with uh, a strength. Right. Going through this program gave him a strength of character and a strength of, of believing and a strength of it's not always easy. I mean, this program isn't like a silver bullet. It's an opportunity. And you can come into it and at every step of the way you will be getting – uh, benefits and and stable change that you can then choose to use it more the gradient of it's amazing like anything else it's a it's a tool but it's a tool that works right now what's he going to be doing now what's what's on the forecast for him he's he's working right now to uh handle a debt that he had with a fine for driving okay so that he so that he can get to work he's looking for a job he's putting uh, putting dreams there to be able to be able to accomplish happiness in his life. Simple things. It's like the simple things became pleasant. Cool. You know, he made some good friends. He, he said um, during his uh, talk when he finished, he said he was just sitting around with a few friends that he made one night. And they looked at each other and said, my God, we haven't gotten high and we're having the best time. I thought that was actually a humongous, I'm a believer in having fun and, you know, and laughter and, and, and playfulness in life, make it worth living. And that he got that back here. And that that's interesting that you say that because I hear that specific concern from a lot of people that come through the program. And that concern is how am I supposed to make friends and socialize if I'm not using drugs? I'll sit there. I'll scratch my head. I'll say, "What do you What do you mean?" And they'll say, "Well, look, I, you know, for the last eight years, all the friends that I've made are people I've used drugs with, and all the social interactions that I've had have been under the influence of drugs. So, how am I supposed to do that sober?" And that's really interesting because you, when you're addicted, you lose the ability to interact with other people normally, right? And because you're on some substance, you know, most of your waking hours throughout each day, at least I started to believe that I have no idea how I'm supposed to even have interpersonal relationships with people and not be high because, I mean, I need I need to be high to talk to somebody. <laughs> I need to be high to make friends. I'm not going to put myself out there. I mean, go ask him to go to see a movie with me. I'm not asking my friend out on a date. That's weird. You know, I, I, I didn't know how 
I didn't know how to talk to people. I remember you said that, that one of the problems that you were trying to solve was that you were um, somewhat introverted and not, you know, not out there and talking to people. Like, Could oh, you believe I was introverted at one point? You know, it's a, it's a, I, no, I absolutely can't. And obviously I didn't know you then. And so there you go. I had, I had the worst social anxiety. Oh my I God. couldn't, I couldn't talk to people. <laughs> and whenever I would be in a group setting, it was almost like I forgot how to interact with another person and, the, and my heart would be pounding and I'd be like in my head and, and the whole thing would be a mess. And so cocaine actually solved that for me. It's one of the reasons I got addicted to cocaine was it solved that problem for me. But yeah, I mean a lot, it's interesting that your son now is able to like socialize and make friends again yeah. and not use drugs. Yeah. And that's like, that's the whole idea behind the entire program is we want people to live a normal life. I mean, that's basically it. You don't want to, I mean, my own personal gripe with other forms of treatment is that you're constantly and for the rest of your life considered sick you're an addict and you need to like a daily constant reminder of all the different things you did wrong that got you to where you are right now. When in reality, you, if you have an addiction, good, come in, handle it, go back to your life and leave that in the past yeah. and, and move forward and enjoy your life. Because life is supposed to be enjoyable. Yeah. Life's supposed to be, of course there's ups and downs, but for the most part, life is supposed to be enjoyable and when you're an addict, you don't enjoy life. You just don't. Right. There's too much going on. And there's too many things you're juggling. And there's too many people you have to manipulate. There's too many people you have to lie to. And there's too many different things, way too many things to do to survive on a daily basis as an addict that makes life not enjoyable. It mm-hmm. makes everyday struggle. It makes everyday terrible. Yeah. And in your head at, the, at in that moment, there's no way out. And so the idea is to come in, handle your business, go back to your life, be normal, mm-hmm. quote unquote, whatever normal is. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not normal. I'm not normal I'm, either. We're not going to go there. <laughs> and and just, when I say a normal life, I, I'm saying normal in regards to like what society we consider normal. So that's like getting a job and paying your bills and take care of your responsibilities and being financially responsible and doing things like that. One that's without what addiction. I mean. Let's just say normal. One without addiction. Sure. Okay, good. Exactly. Normal is who you are. Yep. And so normal is different for everyone. And where my son is looking for a job, he's not like because he was on the street. He it's He's looking for something to expand on his abilities so that even that can be more fun. Exactly. So that it's a, it's a step up. It's a, it's, a, it's a great step up, wanting to create something that you will enjoy. I think that's great. Mom, I really appreciate you being willing to tell your story. If there was one piece of advice you would give to moms or dads listening to this podcast, what would it be? Ask for help early and don't invalidate what you see and know. You don't have to have specifics. The drug testing is a good idea. It is because you get a specific truth. But to be able to call and have someone that you will find when you call Narconon, even if it's just to get information, you will be talking to someone who is here because they care, because they understand it. And the amount of caring that you will feel will be overwhelming to you. It, someone gets it. So call early. Don't call late. Don't think you'll hit the bottom and, or she'll hit the bottom or, and then they'll see they need it because the part of them that will 
would have seen that they needed help isn't the part that is accessible at that point. Exactly. And and we've already talked about how oftentimes the bottom is death and we don't need to go there. No, we don't even need to get close to it. Great piece of advice. Great piece of advice for everybody listening. Pick up the phone and call. The other thing is if you go to narcononsuncoast.org, a lovely young woman will pop up a chat window. And if you can't quite get up the nerve to call the number, you can chat with her and she'll answer all your questions for you. Jason, thank you so much for having mom on with us this week. Absolutely. it was. It's always nice to have a guest and for someone to actually give a first person perspective of addiction and what they went through. I think it's awesome. And even in spite of the fact that I know you think people will get tired of listening to you, nobody gets tired of listening to you, Jason. So there you go. So we will talk, okay, we'll talk again next week and um, I'll be back in Florida. So we'll actually be in the same physical location, which is a little bit better recording than the Skype thing, but Listen, thanks both of you, and we'll talk again. Thank you. Bye, Johnny. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 